Hello and welcome to GS1 Ireland's podcast series. My name is Sean Dennison and I am the Head of Industry Engagement and Technical Standards in GS1 Ireland. This is the first in a series of podcasts focusing on the construction sector. GS1 Ireland is a not-for-profit, member-owned standards organization. We are part of a federated worldwide organization and have been around for almost 50 years. We are best known for managing the number banks, which are used for barcodes in retail, healthcare, manufacturing, and other sectors. At the behest of our members, we decided to become involved in the construction sector to see if we could apply what we have learned in other sectors to construction. Our initial focus is on identification of locations, construction products, and assets. Now I'd like to introduce my guest for today, George Harold of Integrated Facility Solutions, who are GS1 Ireland's platinum partner in the construction sector. George, tell us a little bit about yourself and about IFS. Thanks, Sean. And it's great to be involved in this podcast. Uh, it's really exciting that we, we get a chance to have a discussion about what's happening in the industry and everything and, and everything around us, especially in these pandemic times, which are which aren't great at all. But we we're, we're, we're battling through like everybody else, and, and and it's great to have the opportunity to talk. Um, a bit about OFS, Sean. Um, we started the business by myself and my 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 colleague here on Began twenty years ago when we were in over twenty years ago when we were actually students in a uh, Bolton Street College. And uh, we finished up in Bolton Street, which is, a, which is a great, great college. I'm sure everybody's familiar with Bolton Street. Uh, it's, it's hugely important, the whole engineering and construction sector and all the, and all the people they've produced and who are working yeah. in Ireland and globally around the world. And we got an opportunity then to uh, work within the college and we, and we, we worked as postgrads there from Bolton Street looking at the whole property information and, constru- and uh, construction processes. And that was a great stepping stone for us because at that stage then we were – we were happy enough to say, "Well, look, let's let's give this a go, and let's start let's start a business around this whole area." And when we when we first started, it was a case of looking at what people use to what information owner operators use to manage their buildings and their estates and their proper portfolios. We did a lot of research and a lot of a lot of reviews of the whole process, and we and we started working with some big owner operators, and at that stage. It was they were they, they were they were looking at their estate, looking at the inf- looking at the lack of information they had to manage their estates, their organisations, and we were coming up with ideas and solutions. And um, since then, we've we've grown the business thankfully, and we've won some nice awards al- along the way, which is always good. Um, and we've we've you must have been you must have been quite ahead of the curve at that stage, George, because the the industry at yeah. the time would be far from digitalized. It's, it's it was. It, it takes a huge amount of time and effort to, uh, you know, educate the market that, that that these opportunities, that these applications, that these processes actually exist. That's like any organization. You're, you're you're knocking on doors. You're trying to convince people that this is the way they should be going in. Um, we've successfully got to a, to a, to a really good stage now within the business. We've developed two yeah. two applications: one for handover, one for handover information, and one for project collaboration. Yeah. But, it, so, but in all essence, it really is around building information. Yeah. So, what in a, I suppose, a brief synopsis, George? What would you say IFS do? What What do you do on behalf of your clients? Very briefly, what we're focused on is managing building information, 
and making sure that the owner operator who owns the buildings, who funds the capital projects, who's going to operate those capital projects, has the right access to the right information. And this is from cradle to cradle, as they say. Definitely, definitely, Sean, from, from, from cradle to cradle is right. I think we, we, were, we put a focus on, because what we seen was being handed over on construction projects, which would have been what they called safety foils or O&Ms. And that was the standard kind of handover that was given. And the fact that these owner-operators are getting back boxes of papers or ring binders or USBs or CDs to manage and maintain these critical infrastructure projects, there had to be a better way to do this. And that's what we developed our digital project manual just to manage the construction handover process. But now we're going one step and a couple of steps back to the original stage. Where does it all start from? And it starts right at that planning stage, right at that pre-design stage. So what's a, what, what would be a typical engagement now with a client? Where do you, where do you start? Typically, um, it depends. We're working with multinationals who have, a, who have a, a big footprint, big capital development program. It's managing all their handover information, making sure it's been reviewed, approved and sent on to the right appropriate operation team. And getting those structures really in place is really critical and really important. Or it could be with, a, or it could be with an organisation who has started a, a big infrastructure or project where they have, they're taking responsibility for this big infrastructure project. They're the FM teams. But they want to make sure the right process are in place, that the right information is being set up and coordinated with their construction and design teams. And then it's bringing that information into FM and operations. And now we're beginning to get engaged, which is, which, is, which, is really, which is really good at the very start of the project, that preparation and brief stage, which is really lined out on the, what they call a, a digital plan of work. They're looking at seven key stages to any capital project, and that's preparation and brief, concept and develop design, moving into construction, handover, closeout, and then it's on into operations. So it's getting the information structured, set up and ready to go that has been agreed by the owner-operator, bringing FM and operations back into this critical stage. They're the guys who are going to be operating, maintaining the facilities, getting their input, getting the way they want to have the information. This this information is flowing throughout the the project, not just at the handover stage. Is that correct, George? Yeah, dead right, John. Yeah, it it, it is. It's going through each individual stage. So if you come in at a stage which will be just before construction, just after construction, you've missed. You, you really have missed those relevant stages beforehand. So you really need to be getting it right back to the very early stage, and that was and that was one of the the reasons that we we have been talking, and we're now in partnership, Sean, because what's really relevant to us is the fact was that what we've noticed was there was no real traceability or interoperability of the information. We wanted to put put what was the best way of doing that. And we would have met over two years ago. I think Kira met with yourself at a conference, struck up a good relationship. Right, yeah. but this was this is really good. But the guys in the GS1 in terms of um, identifying information, barcoding, and how the information is brought through any industry right from the very start, how it's traceable and how it's interoperable. If that could be applied to the construction industry and then on to the FM and operations industry, now we now we've got a game a game changer in the fact that we can. And what of the of the standards that were there, or that are there 
because we're still talking about uh, this being the case, yeah. um, GUIDs and so on, what are the shortcomings or proprietary ways of naming assets, for instance, or locations? What are the shortcomings from the point of view of the client? That's a, a really good question. You see, the, the, the client has his process. He, he wants a process. In, they want the process in terms of how it should be properly named. The assets should be named correctly. And um, then what level of information is on those assets? How are then they are, are, are they actually viewable and accessible within the actual BIM model, for example? And then physically, when I go to those assets in any of my locations, can I can I actually scan those assets? And does it give me does it give me a level of information that I need to know about those particular assets? Yeah, and you have, and a, the you main, have an unambiguous way of identifying them. So it's a it's a globally unique, interoperable, standard way that's applicable across projects and across buildings. I think um, that that's so important, John. I think it's really really is so important because if you don't accurately identify and put an identifier on that asset when it's in that manufacturing facility that it can be traced then through to the redesign onto the construction site, fitted to the actual building itself, set up then for operational purposes. But, you, but, but you've got a unique set of information about that particular asset right from its inception, right through its construction, design, on into handover and operations. Now you're building up all the information you need to know now about the operation and making of the asset. So, for example, if I was a field technician, I can scan the asset. The guarantees, the warranties, the O&M information, is there accessible in my mobile device? Now it's in real time. Now it's something really good. And I think the standards you guys have pushed now, it's really, really fortunate in that regard. Yeah. And also you're associating the assets with spaces within the building with unique uniquely identified locations, which I, is also very important. I, I, I think it's very important. You, you have buildings that are built and names that are given to buildings and names that are given to spaces and numbers that are given to rooms. But yeah. those numbers and those names could change within three years, depending on the patronage, depending on the person that, that room is named after or that number. Or that yeah. number. We, we see that a lot in healthcare, of course, hospitals, <laughs> ward names and so on. Those global location numbers and the and the fundamentals around the global location is so important because that space has to have a unique identifier. And then everything around that space should be put on that unique identifier, that global location number. And then you can still give it your own name or give it a real number, but it still has unique identifier. And there's so much value being built in that. And if you could have that process being put onto all your buildings, got unique identifiers then in all your spaces, those global location numbers. That's really, really powerful. Yeah, and they, they stay with the assets or the or the products or the building throughout their lifetime, which could be 40, 50, 60 years. Completely, yeah. completely. We, we, we've gone into buildings where we've been given the as-built information and we check the as-built information and it's completely changed to what we, what we have in our hands against what's there in the building. Mm-hmm. Even right down to the room numbers and the room names. So if you had a process where you had a GTN on your asset, a global location number on your space, it's beginning to then put together a process where there's traceability and interoperability of those 
assets and spaces right through the life cycle of the building, which is, and in today's age, Sean, you know yourself, we, we're now dependent on information. We're now in a pandemic whereby getting access to information, getting, getting access to a site is not available. Yeah. But if we had it on our desktop, it's now become really, really powerful to us. Yeah, you you definitely need to have some way of uniquely identifying things that um, that you can then manage because, as we know, if you can't identify something, you can't manage it. And that identity, we find anyway, needs to be unique. And I suppose in, in healthcare, for instance, we would find that when hospitals are taken over after the construction phase, that they need to be re-tagged or renamed or re, re-identified because the identifiers used for construction are not fit for purpose for the clinical and medical side so obviously all a lot of the information is then lost in that that remapping if you like so being able to identify it from the start and to follow it through throughout its life cycle is is very important it makes perfect sense just what you've said there you know if you're if you were talking to anybody that wasn't working in the construction industry or the fm industry and you explain it to them, they say, well, that's exactly what should be done. That's 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 the process that, that should be applicable. Just like when you you have a can of beans and it goes through the supermarket, I can I can scan the can of beans. I know where it's, I know where it's from. I know it's traceability. Likewise, I'd like the same process with my air handling units or my spaces in my buildings. I yeah. need traceability and information. And that's that's probably becoming even more important now, George, with modern methods of construction. With offsite and um, manufacturing skid units offsite, for instance, yeah. and bringing them on site, the whole the logistics process as well as the identification process. I think I think that's that, that's definitely a game changer, huh? That whole modern methods of construction, the way of building, pre-building the building within the factory, but the components are being accurately tagged and identified, and you're fitting them together on site. You know. You, you don't have to then be involved in such a time-consuming process of setting stuff up. It's already done in the factory. Yeah. You're moving along the relevant lines within that program. You're starting at design. You're working through construction into handover and operations. But the same, if the information is building all the time on that unique identifier, and that's that's really powerful. Yeah, and I think uh, the other caution, I suppose, to the construction industry is that you don't need to reinvent standards, that there are standards out there. GS1, of course, has a background in manufacturing and very involved in manufacturing, manufacturing 4.0 and so on. Yeah. Also in logistics, so all of those standards are in place to help companies to manage their off-site construction processes. Definitely, and, and, and I think because GS1 is a standards-based organisation, we get great comfort from that, that there's that huge level of education, standardisation in the whole process, and it's coming to the fore now, just in, 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 in the industry that we're involved in, in construction and facilities management, but it's also been powerfully done in other industries. That gives us great comfort and great confidence that we can actually move this along to the right stages. Yeah. yeah. And George, just going back to the specifications, because some of our listeners would have received specifications that originated with IFS, um, perhaps as part of a tendering process. So, for instance, the digital construction handover information and the BIM um, delivery specification. 
What what is in those, and what uh, what do people need to focus on? The whole purpose of that is because we've seen it in so many occasions whereby an owner operator wants to build a building, and then he relies on the design team to put the specifications together. But not everybody is familiar with the level of information that should be on those specifications. We are, because we've been in this business for the last 20 years, and we know what should be in those specifications. So it really is putting a process in place whereby, no matter who's going to build the building, we've specified now exactly the level of information, how it should be coordinated, how it should be set up, how it should be structured, and how it should be delivered back to me as the owner-operator. And it's as an owner operator, it's meeting my standards and the standards I intend to use then to operate and maintain that facility. What I don't want to do is take a massive risk and not specify a property. I.e., what I don't want is a situation if it's specified properly, I could receive back boxes of paper. I could receive back lots and lots of information in a digital format, but it's thousands and thousands of PDFs. And it's all no, not, not machine readable and not not no, with a unique it, identification system. It, it, there's, there's nothing in process there. I'm just receiving a dump load of information. Yeah. Then I've got to take responsibility to manage the building. You've got to specify a property as a force instance. If you can specify a property, that way then you're reducing your risk and liability. You're making sure yeah. that you're paying for something that you're going to get back properly as part of the handover. But you've also be, you're also specifying that you want involvement yeah. at that very early stage of construction of what, how you want everything to be identified, to be traceable, to be interoperable. And, Sean, like we always said, moving back then three stages before that, having it set up at the pre-design, so your information structures, your operation, your organisation information requirements are set up at that stage because you may have it could be 50 ongoing capital projects or 10 capital projects or three, but at least you've got the same standard, the same structure. Yeah, across all, all your projects. It's most and, important. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably important to mention, George, that these are what we're talking about here, ISO standards and PAS standards and so on. Oh, uh, these are act, These are standards. It's not something that IFS have developed themselves or... No, the, form to the BIM standards. The ISO one nine six five is 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 really a great standard because it also pushes the fact that we're getting this early engagement. We're thinking about the information process at these very very early stages before we design the building. We're already thinking about how we want our information to be set up, how we want it to be uh, brought through the relevant stages. But we need people to make sure that happens. So the guidelines that are being pushed out there are really, really good and effective. It's just like anything else. Yeah, You've got to push them on then. you got to start using them. Yeah. So a lot of things are coming together, George, at this stage in construction that's kind of guiding people down a digitalization process. So the legislation, obviously, and um, probably directors from the EU on the way on the Green New Deal and so on. And also the, the standards are all coming together. And then the clients are pushing for better um, quality data. Um, contractors, building contractors, looking for better processes so they can achieve better margins and so on. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's all hitting a sweet spot at the moment. 
It is. And I, I think when you take into the, the two of the points you made there, the sustainability piece and the, and the Green Deal, everything that we're talking about here only adds to that, to get to that particular stage. We want to ensure that there's a, a sustainable approach for those buildings. We want to ensure that there's, it focuses on the fact that we don't want to be in a situation where we're getting tangled up in information and formats. We want it to be set from the very, very correct from the very, very start, which allows allows the building to become sustainable. It gives information in real time. It gives effective information, interoperable information. So it's leading us into that sustainable approach. Mm-hmm. All we need to be doing is putting down that carbon carbon footprint in 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 in, in the short term. Yeah. And also the when it comes to the the end of the the process, I suppose the the circularity, if you like, where mm-hmm. the the building probably under new legislation, the building materials that are in an existing building will have to be consumed in the new building. So it's going to be very important to know exactly what's in the building, what its life history is, how how the parts have been exposed to the elements over time, and so on. I know, so, I know, I know. that's huge, John. You had that. Really tragic situation, really tragic situation with the Grenfell Tower there uh, two or three years ago in London. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's historically, where, where was the information about the building? What went into the building? That 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 seems to be loose at the moment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're in a situation where we're specifying the, the way we, we, we plan our information around our, our future buildings, how the information is to be structured, how we can trace those individual assets, components yeah. go into our buildings, where they came from, when they were last maintained, how they're being operated. You know, you, what, 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 you're, what you're doing, you, you, we've got the tools. We have the, led, we have the standards. Now it's a case of pulling them all together and making sure they work for each individual. Yeah. That's it. It's everyone working in harmony, That's but it. also I think everyone will benefit from this because you know we can make virtues out of necessities because we will be able to to do a lot more in our own businesses um, by by using the standards or and by digitalizing in this way. I think the, the, the digitalization piece yeah. is definitely Sean the one to be to, that that's going to be emphasized further again. Like we're we're, yeah. we're at home, we're working from home. We're accessing our mobile device. We'd like to have the information available to us to make those really pertinent decisions or strategic decisions rather than not having the information. Yeah. Ruffling back through a box of paper or calling people. It should be there in front of us. Yeah. And one of the I suppose one of the criticisms that's sometimes leveled at BIM is that it's for, for the big companies. But that's not really the case anymore, is it, George? Not at all. Not at all. I think, I think it's a, a really great piece of technology. When you, when you even bring it down to a layman's terms, I'd like to be able to visualise what's in my building. I'd like to be able to walk through a building yeah. or see what's behind the scenes or see what's behind the walls and be at, a, be at my desktop but be able to see my site in a different region or a different country, have access yeah. to all my information. Look at my key statistics on my dashboard and when it was last maintained, operated on. Mm-hmm. Visually, com- visually, understand that building. And compare and performance across buildings and across campuses. I'd even be able to open up a model, hit an asset. Let me know when the asset was last maintained, operated on, derived information, and see how well it's performing. 
that's all really powerful stuff and it's it's available to us mm-hmm. so bim is is a is a great piece of technology it's it, it's going to really improve along with other pieces of technology like artificial intelligence and so forth and so they're out there but they have to begin to be used and they have to be and, and they need to be specified properly yeah. okay and so when your uh, your specif- specifications go out there and people receive them they're going to be wondering how do i get gs1 uh, prefixes and how do i get gs1 um, location numbers and asset numbers and so on so uh, just to point out that, that all that information will be on our website, GS1 Ireland's website, uh, which is gs1ie.org. Um, but we'll also be happy to hear from anyone uh, by email or telephone. We'll be happy to help you through the process of, of getting your identifiers. Um, I think that's probably all we have time for today, George. So Mate. it's been great talking to you. I great found it very day. stimulating and interesting. I hope our listeners do too. And look forward to talking to you again in the future. Definitely. Thanks very much, everybody. And thanks, Sean, again. Thanks, George.